0: You know you can kind of throw in the towel and just kind of give up i mean you wouldn't really give up in that situation nobody really would ever give up but you know it, it, you can you can start to have that defeatist attitude or you know you can see it as an opportunity to make a comeback too welcome
1: to the dark zone and adventure racing podcast this is your host brian gatens For today's episode, we are joined by the members of Team Wadali, Justin Biz Becken and Brian Mayer. Their third teammate, Mary Chandler, couldn't join us as she's currently in Spain competing in the World Adventure Racing Championships. This is a fun episode. Brian and Biz go deep on their experience at the National Championships, their work as adventure racers, their training, their nutrition, their sleep. And at the end of this podcast, there's actually bonus content because we just couldn't stop talking. So sit back and enjoy this episode of The Dark Zone. And before we get to the podcast, let's take a moment to take this episode's sponsor. New York Adventure Racing Association is sponsoring this episode and is happy to announce the arrival of The Longest Day coming this May 2022. Go to www.nyra.org to learn more and come out and enjoy The Longest Day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Dark Zone. Yeah, it's pronounced Wadali. Wadali. Um, And so before we dive into the Dark Zone and the podcast, and we talk all about your your race at Nationals, which was excellent, and congratulations on being the National Champs, could you walk us through the origins of your team name? Why that team name, and who do you represent?
0: Yeah, you know, our team was founded in, gosh, it was a long time ago, 2003. And uh, I went to... I was just getting into the sport, you know, I had just graduated from college and I was kind of looking for an outlet for athletic endeavors. So, I got into triathlons and I was playing a little bit of soccer still, just in like a men's league. Um, but you know, I got into orienteering and then, you know, somebody told me about adventure racing. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Like my friends had watched a couple episodes of Eco Challenge back in college as well. And so, you know, they were like, "Biz, "You'd be really good at this." And, uh, I was always like, whatever, you know, never really thought about it. But then, yeah, after I graduated college, I kind of looked into it a little bit and I was like, this looks really interesting. You know, I, w- I was an Eagle scout too. So they knew that I was kind of into camping and the outdoors and stuff like that. And so, um, so I, I did, I looked into it and, you know, people were, they were hosting races here in Minnesota and one of the races that they were having. Um, you had to be like certified to do like some climbing stuff. And so I went to a climbing clinic just to, you know, kind of get that certification, not even really knowing many people, but I met like 20 people there that even today, I'm still friends with, you know, they're just kind of part of the adventure racing community in Minnesota. And so out of that, I met a, somebody else, his name was Paul Bronkhorst and he and I formed this team with, um, somebody named Scott Erlinson. And, um, and, uh, another woman and her name was Amy Brome. And so we raced the first season of kind of like the Minnesota adventure racing series back when they did have a series in Minnesota and it was fantastic. And so the name came about, uh, I think that we, you know, we were just joking around on emails and stuff like that. And we were like trying to think of a cool team name and, you know, we just threw out like 30 different names. And one of the names that we threw out was we eat dust and like it. And it was kind of like a little <laughs> mantra in terms of like, you know, people say, Oh, when they're in the lead, they're like, eat my dust. You know, like, you know, like you're, you're behind me and I'm in front. Right. And it was kind of like a little bit of a play on words in that fact. So, you know, instead of saying like, Oh, eat my dust, I'm going to say, I'm going to eat your dust and I'll like it. So, so that's how the team name came about. So it was we eat dust and like it. And so, so then you know it's just an acronym. So Wadali is just an acronym for that. So so
1: we're, so we're about three minutes into the podcast. We've already learned, Biz, that you have one of the greatest nicknames ever, and we've learned that your <laughs> team name is pretty cool. Also, Wadali. Um, so yeah, so very nice. And that was and so that was in two thousand and three. You started. So you have a you have a pretty big adventure racing background behind you.
0: I do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, obviously the first couple of years I was not into it as much as I was kind of in the middle part of my career. Um, but yeah, you know, I did three or four races my first year and I just really, I really loved it. I really liked orienteering and navigating and the team aspect of it, you know, coming from soccer, um, just a very team oriented sport. And so, uh, I just picked up onto it really well and really, really enjoyed it a lot.
1: And clearly that's that's not an uncommon jump, right? People are involved in sports over their their life. And then as they travel through, they get into their their uh, adulthood in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s. They turn around, they find themselves taking part in adventure races. Uh, we're joined also by Brian Mayer, uh, who is business teammate on Team With Dolly. Brian, what was your introduction to the sport
2: like? Um, so when I was in college, um, I was had done a lot of of running in, in high school and was looking for something to do in college, kind of along those lines. And um, one of my um, so I was I studied engineering and one of my teammates on one on our on a freshman engineering um, project was um, was also into running. So he and he, he was doing triathlon. So we started doing some triathlons together. Um, and then we we met somebody on the triathlon team that was doing lots of crazy stuff. He had actually done adventure races in high school, um, at that point, And that was so two, the 2000. So he's a high schooler doing adventure races, which I mean, some, some younger people are getting into it now, but I mean, at that point, I think that was, that was pretty impressive. He was doing like beasts mm-hmm. of the East and mega doses and endorphin fixes that Odyssey was putting on. Um, but so he got us doing things like, I mean, he got us more shifting from triathlon to kind of these outdoor things. I was, I'd also been in scouts, so I, and, um, had done some orienteering before, uh, and done some of these adventure type activities. And so I was like, it sounds interesting. I mean, I thought it was pretty crazy to be out for a day or even to go run for 40 miles um, or 30 miles and do an ultra or something like that. But we kind of tried it out and, um, yeah, it was just, it was really fun to, to kind of have this really unique adventure. Um, obviously I really liked the, the aspect of having the maps and this is like, you're not, you have to figure out where you're going to go and how you're going to get there and that you're in the forest or, or on these mountains. So it was, it, it was really neat. And so it was kind of slowly just experiencing more, um, my first race, So I was at, I went to Virginia tech for my undergrad. My first race was Mark, uh, a race Mark with had put on, um, so met him at that point. Um, and just kind of, yeah raced more and more. I remember racing when I was starting, uh, Justin and, and, and what Ali were, were kind of near the, already kind of near the top. Um, so that's kind of where I was like, Hey, they're, they're pretty good. I, I wish I want to get to the, to, to be racing with, with against them or, or beating them. So, um, and that, that, that's what we did for a few, eventually I got to that point and we kind of raced together, raced against each other for a few years. And then we got the, some opportunities to race, um, with each other. So that's been pretty nice neat too. And then your third teammate, Mary Chandler, who can't join us for the podcast because
1: she's actually in uh, Spain right now preparing for mm-hmm. the world championships. Can you talk a bit about what you know about her race experience and how you got connected with her?
2: I don't think we can We can get through all of her race experience.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> like reading War and Peace. <laughs>
2: exactly. Was, I'm yeah. going to go get the extra time my hard
1: drive. Wait, wait right here, guys. Yeah.
2: I I think she's she's probably like the queen of adventure racing in the United States. I mean, just amazing what she's done and um, how much she races and how well she races. And yeah.
0: So, so she, she ran, you know, she ran, uh, correct track and field in college and she was on kind of like a development program. I think it was for Nike. Um, and she was trying to qualify, I think for, you know, the national track team. Essentially, uh, uh, I don't know the the full details on that, but that is, I, I know that she was you know a D one runner and tremendously fast.
1: I noticed in reading about the race itself and reading about your experience is that this is not the first time that that any of you won a national championship. Am I I'm correct? I believe that in the past, uh, Biz, you won in 2010 and 12. That sounds mm-hmm. correct to me, right? Um, Brian, you won in 2011. You were with, what team were you on? Was it SOG at that time? Team SOG, mm-hmm. correct. Team SOG in, in 2011. And then Marie won with Dart Nun at in 08, and then with Adventure Medical Kits in 16. Um, so mm-hmm. clearly, correct. Clearly, you're, you're, you brought a ton of race experience to the table. And that, that came out in this race. Um, how did the three of you get connected for this race? Mm-hmm. Have you raced together before? Or is this your first time racing as a, as a team?
0: This was actually our first time racing as a team, (laughs) which is kind of funny, but, um, I had raced with both Brian and Mary separately doing different kind of individual events. Mary raced with my team with Dolly at, it was called like the NARS championship a couple of years back, uh, which was the North American adventure racing championships. Um, and we, we won that race. I don't know, that was like 2014 or something like that. And Mary and I did a couple of games. We did World Rogaine Champs together in South Dakota, and that was super fun. Brian and I teamed up at a national Rogaine Championships when it was out in what was it New York, Brian? I think it was New yes. York or something like that. yeah, New York. And so we we had raced together at that event, and we had thought about doing Rogaine Champs this year. Uh, but they had so many issues with it, you know, COVID-related, in terms of putting on the event, right? Um, but yeah, so Brian and I raced Rogaine Champs in New York together a couple of years ago.
1: So, so you, it sounds I like you always lived in each other's in each other's orbit, right? You always kind of like you were yeah. either you saw each other at races, you raced in some combination, and I think that's an interesting dynamic with adventure racing. How it's not uncommon for really really fit, strong. Teammates to kind of race with different people across in different in different races, um, which I think is a unique for a lot of a lot of team, that, team events. The, the,
2: and I think the person the personality. I mean, you, you talk about the physical aspects, but I mean the the mental aspects and being um, very positive, team oriented people because it, it takes this type of people to be able to to race with somebody new and um and be able to to to, to effectively race with those people and not not worry and not have to worry about having issues of is this person going to do their work or is this person going to be um, helpful things of those on those na- on that nature but it, helped, <laughs> and it did help that i think we had some combination of of experience with each other before sure and you 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 knew each other
1: and you knew about each other and mm-hmm, i would correct. bet as i would bet as part of your 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 relative racing experience you've seen each other in business in races at other times to know that I could certainly race with this person. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to bury the lead here. It went well because the three of you, the first time racing together won the national championship. So I think you all made a pretty good bet on racing together. Does that sound the same for you guys?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much <laughs> how, it, how it came together. You know, no, when you um, put it that way. So, so how, how did I, your race go? it went, it went really well. You know, I mean, I would just preface that like Mary and I had kind of like thought about doing national championships last year together. And we were kind of thinking about who could be a good third teammate for us. And, you know, Brian's name was like at the top of my list just based on some of the things that he's done and the fact that we had raised Rogaine national champs together and stuff like that. And so, you know, back in the early 2010s when, you know, As you mentioned before, uh, Wadali won in 2010 and 2012 and SOG won in 2011 in between there and Mary's team, you know, all of our teams were kind of going back and forth in the top three. And so, you know, even though I won in 2010 and 2012, you know, Brian's team was third place or second place and Mary's team was second place or third place. And we were all pushing each other, you know, at the top of the game at, at the time. And so we were very much racing against each other. And and I knew that just bringing that team together, we've all got that experience of, of being in that position and pushing through, you know, pushing through adversity. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the race, it it definitely went really well for us. I mean, I, I think that we couldn't have asked for much more. Um, these guys really came together as a team and, and, and gelled, you know, even when some of our things didn't go quite as well as we thought they might, um, we really pulled it together. And so I was really happy with, with how they did and how we did. And
2: so yeah. and I think so, one of the, I mean, we talk about kind of what it took to, to win too. I think having, I mean, this was, there was a lot of things that this race required, um, and certainly one of them mm-hmm. was the, the unique, um, orienteering of that area. And I think, um, I, I, I had remembered here when, uh, when they announced Wisconsin as the, the site of nationals, I haven't, I actually had, this is my first national since 2016. Um, and I think it's actually, the same for to. biz too. I don't think he's <laughs> raced since. Yeah. 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 Um, but when they announced it in, in, um, for Wisconsin, I was like, that'd be a really cool place to race. Um and then Biz Biz asked me and, and said we're gonna be racing. I'm like, that sounds great. You guys are I think we have a really good chance of winning. Um and then um about a, two weeks out of the race, he sends maps and I'm like, man, these, this looks really hard. This navigation is going to be tough. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad I'm racing with somebody who, who's, who's been in that area. Um, I think, um, going into the race, I mean, I think that that was something that everybody was kind of aware of that, that the, ter- the terrain was very difficult. It's very different, different. And not only is the ter is it, is the navigation, um, different than potentially like some expedition style navigation, but the terrain in that area is different than a lot of people are used to. Um, So I I know I would have um, struggled myself trying to navigate myself, but um, I think it was kind of, it was, it was a, a lesson to kind of watch Biz do it um, and and do it so well. Um, I'm, I was happy to kind of just be there to contribute and, and help out as I could. Um, but it was certainly an advantage to to kind of know that terrain and be comfortable with that terrain. I think I've seen other people say. I mean, some of the the best orienteers come out of the Midwest because of the fact of the the, the challenge they face orienteering where they're from. I, I mean, I could certainly you could certainly maybe argue other places like Florida and Texas <laughs> require pretty pretty intense skills too. But um, yeah, it was let, let it was.
1: Uh... Let Certainly something a that we... bit about that,
2: um, because you're, you're spot on, Brian, because I've heard that
1: when I spoke to Tim from Red Mountain Racing, Tim's a Wisconsin native, and he spoke about the navigation, too, and he was leading that for his team. And we didn't go too deeply into the navigational challenges during during his his episode. Biz, can you talk a bit about for the listener at home who may not have raced in Wisconsin and may not think of Midwestern navigation as particularly difficult in relation to the big mountains out west and the mountains in the east? What is it about the Midwestern Wisconsin terrain topography that is challenging for a navigator?
0: Yeah, I mean, the trickiest part is just the fact that the features are so much more subtle, you know, so you've got these contours and in some of these places out, out west or out east, you know, your contours might be 20, 30, 40 feet, something like that. And a lot of the features, you know, you kind of look up through the sky and you can see like the mountain up ahead. And you're like, well, that's where we're going and it doesn't take a lot of you know finesse to get there it basically takes a lot of fitness right or you know there might be only one or two trails up a hill and it's kind of like well you just pick left or right and then you know that's how it goes whereas in the midwest you know you're constantly choosing micro route choices uh up a trail do i do i take the trail around that's two times as far as the bushwhack route, three times as far, four times as far. And so you're constantly kind of like calculating these these little micro changes. And then every time that you go off trail, you know, you're kind of taking like little risks with, okay, you know, what what am I going to see on these features if the contours are only 10 or 20 feet or, you know, uh, in this map, I think, you know, in this area, they were like 10 feet and there's so much undulation in those within, within a contour line. Right. So, you know, you can see the bigger features, but there's still ups and downs and pockets and holes in, within those 10 foot contours that you, you know, they're not mapped. And so you really have to kind of have filters (laughs) on your eyes to kind of like pick out some of the, the bigger stuff. Meanwhile, you know, the vegetation is sometimes not the best for seeing, further distances, right? So you might only have a 30 or 40 meter vision. And so you really have to be spot on with, if you're taking a bearing through a flat area, you got to be spot on with your bearings. And, you know, if you're, if you're following contours, you just have to be really sure that you're staying kind of at the same height. And I really think in some respects too, it's kind of like you're, you're basically guaranteed to get off here and there, you know, like to, to do a a race like this. Perfect. Is, is not possible, especially in the dark. And especially with, you know, some of the places where the vegetation gets so thick. And so it almost comes down to a little bit of, you know, okay, I'm not in the right spot. Uh, but where am I, where do I need to go from here? I know that I kind of messed up, but what is my next option? Right. I know that maybe I was going a little bit too far to the left or too far to the right. And so, you know, I'm on the wrong hilltop, but where do I need to go to find the correct hilltop? And so it might not even be that far away, you know, but the problem is, is that if you're not paying attention to where you're going, you know, you can just get deeper and deeper into a hole in terms of going too far or doing circles in the dark or things like that.
1: And that's a that's a common line you hear it, it very often with navigation, the same as life. It's it's not about error avoidance; it's about error correction and realizing yeah, when you're right. going in the wrong path. How do you backtrack and find the proper space? Before we, we talk a bit more about that with the with the the subtle navigation that's required in the Midwest, do you struggle with the idea of a backstop? Because very often, what we'll have here in the East is we'll, we'll know we're going in the wrong place if we come across a trail or a river or a cliff or a face down,
2: or or a downhill.
1: Exactly. Do you Cause find that? Because
2: you're, you're going uphill all the way to the point <laughs> instead gotcha. of up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down.
1: Right. And so when you begin to lose elevation, you know, you've missed it. So you got to turn it and go back up. You don't have that in the Midwest because there's, there are no steep ups and steep downs for the most part. I don't want to generalize too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's certainly, that's certainly the deal, you know, um, the orienteering club here in Minnesota is hosting the masters national championship in another week, I think it's next weekend up at Mille Cathio state park, which has very, you know, kettle Moraine type of terrain, just like they have up in Wisconsin. And that's the deal. It's kind of like you have to be on the map all the time and you can't just rely on uh, a bearing to, to go half a mile. You know, some of these legs that they'll have on this, on this map, you know, you're, you're going to be going a quarter mile between these points. And you can't, you can't shoot a bearing on this terrain for a quarter mile. You have to know where you are, where you are on the map. And so it is, it's really, it's very tricky and, and you got to be dialed in because if you, if you go too far, you are in no no person's land, right. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, to, to find yourself back on the map again, when the terrain is so subtle, you know, it's very, very difficult. And if there are no trails, then, you know, to to redirect yourself to go out to a trail and then come back, you know, I mean, you're you're talking about losing tens of minutes.
1: I'm laughing because in my in my interview with, with Paula, she spoke so glowingly of the, of the racing out of Wisconsin and her race to stubborn mule, which is going to be June 30th of 2022. And I'm all about coming out there to do the race. Now I'm kind of like, eh,
2: maybe I'm busy. That week.
0: <laughs> I would,
2: I, I, so, so somewhat from a different perspective of somebody that's not used to racing in that area. And what I would think would be what, what I thought, I mean, again, I wasn't staring at the maps and I was, I mean, biz was leading and, but i was i mean in in a couple cases we actually had two maps of areas um so i could kind of carry a map and kind of watch what we were doing or make suggestions or or whatever but um i mean one of the difficulties i think i saw from that looking at those maps was it it was it's just harder to see um and 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 because there's so much um undulation and there's constant ups and downs being clear, I mean, here in the East, even if you're not in the mountains, you can kind of say, okay, well, it's going to go up for a while and then it's going to go down for a little while and go up. I mean, you can kind of see where spurs and re are, but it's, it, I mean, with that that moraine, that, um, that land in that area specifically, um, it, it, it's hard to, see. you have to really kind of pay attention or look, it, it takes more time, I think, from somebody who's not experienced with it to make sure that they know this is a depression. This is the this is where it's going down. This is where it's going up. This is the hilltop. And so it's very easy, especially I would imagine when you're getting tired or where you haven't been paying as much attention or where you're thinking about other things to really stay focused on, okay, This is where the map is because i mean that that's at least the first thing that jumped out to me is i'm envisioning i mean at least when i look at a map i kind of it it you try and make it pop out at you and say okay well this is where the elevation's up and down um and it was harder to make that Mm -hmm. happen when i looked at the at um, at a map in that area um but a part of that is i just i don't have the experience of of navigating in that area but i'm at but again this has been doing that for so long it's it's natural to him like like it is natural for me in other areas It it sounds like too when compared to the
1: east and to the west, what we what we have to we have to earn in terms of vert gain, right? Going up and going down, which tends to make navigation somewhat easier because we have the elevation on our side. What you what you get back, you lose in the Midwest because of all the challenges with knowing the subtle terrain. Right. So it's so either one way or the other you're gonna be struggling during the race. And it sounds like but it sounds like You did a fine job with the navigation. Obviously, your results speak to that. At any point during the race, did you get turned around? Did you get really turned around? Because everyone gets turned around. At any point, did you find yourself really struggling?
0: You know, I I
2: don't... don't, Yeah, I would say no.
0: (laughs) I don't think you did. Yeah, I I guess I I would say no to, you know, we were never lost. There were times when we couldn't find certain things that we thought would be there. You know, there was, I remember a time on the orienteering section where we were looking for a trail... And it was supposed to be out by this power line and we never found it. I, I don't really understand even to this day, like we're, where it was. I, I, <laughs> I looked,
2: I looked, we were probably like five meters from it. I think. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, it was there, just there, there,
2: really like. There was another time on that, on the course earlier, where we, one of the points, it was just kind of, it was kind of a hill. It was like, I mean, we always, it was a rough, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a rock on the hillside rock so it's on like, the hillside. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the hillside happened to be very but highly vegetated. Um so we happened to just yeah. I mean, we and another point where we I mean we pretty much <laughs> came within ten meters of it, but you couldn't see the point from more than two meters away. So unless you really nailed it and we just weren't really I, I think we were we weren't as dialed in as at at the point ready to be prepared for that. And so we just it just required us to reattack. But we, I mean, yeah, we weren't lost. We just missed it and it was kind of hard to at that point we had to go out to to something very definitive to make sure that we did it right the next time and,
1: and we yeah did. does that navigation and we, and require did, a lot of backtracking do you have to, do you, have to do you have to stop go back and try it again or are you able to kind of flow through the race
0: so in that instance we did we went out to a trail and then came back in but I, the trail that we went out to you know was fifty seventy five 75 meters yeah. or 100 meters or something like that so it, you know, as a whole, you know, we kind of, we know where we are. We're on the hillside. We can't find this thing. We are searching around for five or 10 minutes, still can't find it. So then we're kind of like, okay, well, maybe we're just a little bit off on the hillside. And so we go out to the trail and of course we're in exactly the spot that we're supposed to be. And so then we trek the 7,500 meters back into the checkpoint and we still didn't find it right away. It took us another five minutes to find it. And it's just like, and then we found it and we're like, you know, geez, I think I yeah, walked right yeah, past I, here like three times. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it's and, always and right. I remember always I,
2: happens. I, at one point you Biz, you like, I, I was like, which way do I need to go? You say Southeast. And I say, I don't think it's Southeast. And then I literally took one step. And then I saw the, the point and I, like, I, and it was five meters away from me. I mean, you literally couldn't <laughs> yeah. see the point for more than five meters away. So,
1: but it was, yeah. And it's, it's funny for all, for all the hundreds of races that you've done collectively in the tens of thousands of hours of racing, that little shot of dopamine you get when you finally find the flag is great. <clears throat>
0: oh that's I,
1: awesome I,
2: I would i would say the <laughs> dopamine hit at the end of that section behind you. yeah when i when we come in we had and I, I mean we we kind of knew we we weren't moving as efficiently as we should have been that in that section biz was kind of struggling with his stomach and eating and i mean grant I, I, thankfully he did an amazing job to to get us through it nav wise um but um we kind of came in and we we're like okay we 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 had built up a kind of a a little bit of a lead slowly throughout the race, and we were like, okay, well, at least I I don't know that we talked about it much, um, because we were all just kind of doing our job and and trying to, to to keep moving as fast as we can. But I know I was thinking, okay, we, they probably put some time back into us, and I actually yeah. got a chance to check the this the sheet the check in sheet, and they had checked in about an hour after us coming in. I'm like, okay, they probably put in like 30 minutes on us on that section, and so they're probably about 30 minutes behind, and then we start transitioning and two minutes later I see lights running in to the TA and I'm like, okay, there's not many teams that would be running into the TA at this point. So there's a, probably a good chance that that is quest. <laughs> and, and it was. So, um, so and that's uh, the
1: case. So you you had an hour lead and you felt like that hour lead had almost evaporated at that point.
2: Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> exactly ah, what
1: happened. Wow. And, and, and for the, and for the listener at home, what, how late in the race was this?
2: That was like 18 yeah, hours trying. probably. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, it was like, it was, I mean, it was a few hours before, uh, before daylight, like three hours before daylight. So
0: yeah, it would have been like one to four in the morning or something like that.
2: And so it was yeah. 18 hours in
1: and you won in 2445. We're getting towards the back, way towards the back end of the course. So this was getting tight for these guys to come running into the TA on you. Correct. That's right. So how, how, how did you respond to that as a team? Get going! <laughs> don't,
2: <laughs> don't think about it too much. <laughs>
1: let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Yeah. Back it up! Back it up! And, 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 and yeah, what? I mean, actually, what are you going into? We're going into uh, was it a mountain biking section to an orienteering section? Correct. Well, that's right. Okay. Yeah.
0: And and I would I would kind of like you know just pull myself out of this situation a little bit. You know, Brian and Mary are obviously such good athletes, and they're super solid. And like Brian said, my stomach was not doing fantastic, and so when these guys caught up to us at the TA, I, I have to admit that, you know, it was definitely like a low point in the race for me, you know, it was just, it was kind of a little bit crushing yeah, uh, to see those guys TAing at the same time. And I know it was for them too, but like, to me personally, I knew that I had kind of been the slow person on this leg because my stomach was not feeling well. And, you know, I wasn't having like major issues, but I knew that I was not, Kind of pulling my weight, right? Gotcha. And I knew that we had not navigated cleanly on that section as as well as like we could have. You know, I knew that we didn't have any major bobbles, but it just like you know, like I said, it all added up. um, It just all added up, right? And so when those guys caught up to us at the TA, that was for sure like a low point of the race for me because I knew that I I had blown the lead.
2: And I I think with the way we, I mean, you say, I I mean, I just prefaced it as, as kind of the the shot of dopamine too. And I think that we all, I mean, I think we all probably went through the exact same thing. We all were like, man, they just caught us. This is not, this Mm -hmm. is not good. Um, Yeah. Like we are, I I mean, think it in my head was, Hey, we're doing but before that we're doing well. We're in the lead. This is good. I mean, we can win. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, they just caught us and they're going to pass us and we have no chance at this point. But at the same time, the way we all responded was we all picked it up and we all went faster. And I, and I've been thinking since the Mm -hmm. race, maybe even over the past week or so, I mean, potentially them coming into the transition at the same time as us was given how how the race was going for us. That was probably the best thing for us. Exactly. If you hadn't seen them, they would have caught you on the course. And it, you yeah, would have been, or or potentially been passed us on the course. Gotcha. I mean, it, we actually took different routes to, to the to the next couple points, gotcha. um, and it's very likely that they could have passed us, and we wouldn't have even mm. known it. So, so I mean, ironically
1: it, enough, by seeing them, by seeing them in transition, gave you a shot of adrenaline to
2: get moving. Out you go, and then there's a sense of intensity for the rest of your race. So. Yeah. At the the same time, they're going to get that, that, that same same shot of adrenaline, but they would have gotten it either way. Had we, had we left TA one minute before them, we would have known nothing. Gotcha. Uh, and, and we would have left mm-hmm. thinking we, maybe we still have 30 minute lead, but they would have come in one minute later and known, Oh, we are one minute. We are six minutes behind them. Gotcha. We need to get going. And they so would out. There's of the a, yeah. There's definitely a disadvantage mm-hmm. to, to being in the lead. And, and it's, there's an advantage to being the chaser at, 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 at times. Always. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so biz let's
1: pivot for a second over to your stomach. Cause I do like to talk about nutrition um, for those who are, who are new to adventure racing. What do you think happened to your stomach? Um, and, and in general, How do you guys feel during the race? What are your strategies?
0: Yeah, I would say that I probably didn't nail my nutrition as well as I could have. Uh, and I'm not sure that I can pinpoint exactly what the problem was. I know I feel like maybe I wasn't consuming enough salty foods early enough in the race. Um, but I know some of the foods that I had for like later in the race did not seem quite as, uh appetizing sounding <laughs> you know it's always one of those mm-hmm. things where you go to the store and you're like buying food for the race and you're like this sounds awesome this sounds <laughs> awesome yeah. and then you get into the race and you're like 18 hours in and you're like i don't want to eat that yeah. i don't want to eat that All the time. you know
2: so so i think that, that potentially one of the answers is and what i would say is variety and having it So yeah. I, I mean, I carry a lot of stuff like goo and energy bars and just like blocks or whatever and gels, but I also carry sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. I, try, well, I, I try to eat those early on. Cause usually those are, yeah. are like the ones, yeah. you Like later on, you're like, Oh, I don't want to eat more of that. So you, you kind of get some of those in early and then, then you think can yeah. transition to things like the more savory and salty. And I mean, with a little bit of sweetness in there, but I mean, I think having that variety, I mean, I was even going through it a little bit. I mean, I, I never got, and comfortable, but I was having, I was, I, I was working hard during a lot of the race later in the race to, 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 um, to fuel myself. Cause I, I was having stru- trouble picking something of my food, same kind of same thing. But I mean, I was able to kind of get find something and get something down. I mean, I know, I mean, and, and to some extent, I mean, we say you, you pack a variety for yourself, but I mean, I, at one point I was like, Mary, do you have anything salty? And I mean, she had pretzels and I was like, that was perfect. And right. I mean, that was pretty, that was like in the very end of the, the last orienteering section. And that kind of got me, I mean, I probably, I might've made it otherwise, but I mean, having, yeah, just having options. Cause you never know how you're going to feel. And I mean, you even if you've done it before and said this has been good before. I mean, you, something else happens or something you're just not feeling different, and and so you you never know what you're gonna gonna want. When yeah, you're out I, there.
1: I agree. I find that as the as races drag on, my ability to actually go through the act of chewing and eating is challenging. So for me, it's like the <laughs> stuff in pouches with like almost like a baby food consistency you know, two, 300 yeah. calories. Like, I'm a huge spring energy guy. I think their fruit oatmeal package is great. It's 300 calories. You put it right down. It's the easiest way to get food in you when you don't want to eat. Cause I agree with you. Like, like would there ever be a point in your life where a Snickers bar would not look like appetizing? And it's like, Oh right. God, like I just, <laughs> I just can't put that inside of me. So I think you're spot on about that. And to your point too, biz about your, your stomach and your nutrition. I've heard very often when I've interviewed racers is that on race a, they have a nutrition strategy and it goes fine on race B, which could be a week later, a month later, a year later, same exact strategy. And it doesn't go fine. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, um, something changes in between races. It could be the heat. It could be the cold. It could be the weather. Uh, it could be the person's if they're tired, not tired. Sometimes nutrition just kind of falls apart on you and it's not your fault. It just doesn't work for that race.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. I mean, I think you named a lot of those factors, you know, how hot it is, how cold it is, the people that you're racing with, the pace that you're going at, uh, you know, the angle of the sun is right. the race on a Saturday or a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's true. Yeah. I mean, how you tired know? are you going into the race?
1: How far are you from the finish? I mean, there's a, there's a million variables. And I, and I think, as, when I talk about adventure racing, I, I talk about what makes it fascinating to take part in to talk about and to almost study and to almost learn about is that there's so many factors that go into a race. I get like the, the math formula is incredible. This plus this plus this plus this plus this equals this. And mm-hmm. the, the gift of adventure racing is it's different every single time. Even if it's the same race course, same area, same park, a factor changes, a different teammate, a different weather
2: pattern. Maybe... maybe- Maybe instead of adventure racing, it should be called adaptive racing. Exactly. Right. Because we, that's what we do. We, we, we have to adapt to these things. You're, you're spot on about that.
1: Um, clearly you're, you're a fast team. Can you talk a bit about your, your fitness training, your protocols, what, how you train, how you don't train. <laughs> I like when you guys laugh about that, like training. Uh-huh. That's so, for other so, people. So,
2: so Mary, Mary, like we said, just races. And so she's, right. she's got that fitness down.
1: <laughs> right. If, if you, if you race all the time, you race all the time. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And that, yeah, that's, that was one of my concerns coming in is I haven't, um, I mean, like I said, I was 2016 was kind of the last time I've really been regularly racing and I just don't have a lot of races. Um, I think even, and kind of be, coming in again, worry, I, I again, I'm, I am have not been racing, so I don't know where my fitness is exactly as well as, and then seeing, I mean, Mary and biz have been racing quite a bit this year. And I mean, I, I've been, I've been training more than, or I'd been kind of trying to increased my training the, since what, since what it's been. So a couple of years ago, um, but I kind of was like, I still haven't been racing. I haven't put 20 hours in my legs very much. Um, so I wasn't sure mm-hmm. where I was going to be. Um, but yeah, I think, I, th- I mean, you talk, I, th- that, that was the way I used to ra- I train is, is really just go out and do what I wanted for the most part. Um, and as long as I was doing a race a month, that was pretty much, it could keep me at the, at the level. Um, the fact that I haven't been racing as much, I've had to kind of be a little bit more, um, uh, picky about what I've been doing and making sure that I'm, I'm being smart about the way I'm racing. But I, I think optimally you, you just, if you, if you've got the time, I mean, optimally you race as, as, as all the time, <laughs> um, but not ever, not, that's not always an option. So got it, whether got it's it be time or money or possible races to do, So
1: Yeah. Your, your experience reminds me of the line when it comes to to bicycle racers, when they get back into racing, a common refrain is the miles never leave your legs. And even if you've been off the bike for a while, you gain that fitness back relatively quickly because you have a lot of base already inside of you. And it sounds like that might've been your experience.
2: Uh, yeah, but I feel like a couple of years, it's, it starts going after a couple of years. And as you get older, (laughs) gotcha. Oh yeah. Age, Age, age age is the real opponent. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, Brian says that, dude. He's, how old are you, Brian? Like 37 or something? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I still oh, notice it. I feel so old.
2: I feel, I feel, yeah. so, I, yeah. I, I, it was easier yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I know, I, mean, I know. Hang in, hang in there,
0: kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait
1: no, all, Turn 50 and get back to me. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I, I think like one of the you biz.
0: That, Yeah, one of the things that, you know, Brian didn't really mention this directly or, uh, you know, Brian and I are both have young kids now. Right. So, uh, I have a seven-year-old girl named Bonnie and a five-year-old or she, she just turned eight, sorry, eight-year-old girl named Bonnie and a five-year-old named Carver. And I have and, a, six, and
2: I have a I, I'm one year behind. I have six and four, and the six is about to turn seven in a week. Oh, that's so so. Congratulations to two of you. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. They're awesome. 95% of the time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, the training regimen, we're, we're not professional athletes, you know, we both have day jobs, right. And between day job and kid job, or just family in general, you know, (laughs) racing and training is is kind of a, a little bit on the back burner, certainly more than it used to be, you know, back when we were racing in the early 2010s, um, you know, when our team won nationals in 2010 and 2012, it was one of those things where every weekend my wife, Molly and I would go out and we would just, you know, we'd bike to an orienteering meet and do the orienteering meet and then bike back home again. And that was just like Mm -hmm. a fun activity, but we would be out for, you know, seven, eight hours for the day. And that was awesome. That's kind of what we like to do. Or we'd go, go paddle somewhere and just be out all day, you know, and you kind of don't have that luxury anymore. You know, I mean, this past weekend, geez, I helped put on a corn maze for our orienteering club. So that involves like not really much running. It's just like putting on the event and then it's like (laughs) kid, kid soccer game and kid swimming lessons. And Bonnie has a softball tournament. She had like four games. So basically like zero training, (laughs) you know? Um, So anyway, you know, it's just like, I'm sure a lot of the other listeners could probably like relate to that We have kids, you know, it's like hard to put that time in, mm-hmm. but you know, that being said, I, I, I do think that that statement that you made about, you know, your legs, uh, and just being an experienced biker, having biking legs, I do, I do think it is somewhat true. And I think it's true, you know, certainly for your fitness, but I think even more so it's true for just kind of like your, your mental fitness. And, you know, that's something that I know that Brian still has, whether he wants to admit or, you know, Mm -hmm. his legs are not in shape or whatever, but like, you know, Brian knows what it takes to win a race like this. And Mary obviously does. And so, you know, that's, those are the kind of teammates that you, that you want are the people that can overcome that adversity and really push through, you know, getting caught up to by another team. That's like very good and maybe possibly more fit than us. You know I mean? Quest, those guys are those guys strong are crushers. Race. They're so they're fast, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're super strong. And they know how to push through that stuff too. And so, you know, for us to just kind of persevere in the end, um I mean, I think it says a lot about just just kind of mentally the mental toughness of the team and continuing to push even when maybe things aren't looking so good.
1: And I think you you hit upon something very strong. First, I think it's important for the listeners to know that. Even as national champions, as a team, you have lives that exist outside of adventure racing. You're not doing this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have young kids. Um, I, I will tell you as someone whose kids are you no know, longer young. My my three kids are two or twenty-two and one is twenty. Um, they're wonderful. I wouldn't give back a second of their childhood, a second of the softball For games, sure. a second of the basketball games. It yeah. was absolutely yep. because I will tell you. As someone whose children are are up and out and and doing great and and they absolutely are l- lovely lovely adults to be to be the father to, um, sometimes I love to go back to those days and and I see the yeah. pictures. You know, Facebook does a really good job of reminding you of how cute and little your kids were at one point. Um, <laughs> and and as you get older too, you tend to leave that five percent behind that you don't want to remember, right? Uh, totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I but I think it's nice for our listeners to hear the fact that you're able to do what you do with those commitments also. Because I found time and time again that the people who want to succeed at anything, adventure racing, I don't care what the sport is or the or the or the pursuit is, that they find the time to do it. Um, And that no life commitment, a child, a job, whatever it might be, is enough to stand in the way of really wanting to succeed at something that you find the time you go to bed earlier, you get up earlier, you carve some things out of your life, you put other things back into your life, whatever it is. Um, and I would love the fact that the, the two of you, with the, your children between you, the four kids between the two of you, are able to go and perform at such a high level. So, so thank you for sharing that for the purpose of our <laughs> listeners. And
2: and I, something something else, and I mean, I mean, almost not to to belabor or to to belittle it, but I mean, so what I've I, my training since nationals has really been nothing, and it's it's pretty much been. I've been going on bike rides with my kids. <laughs> and I mean, that's one, that's, that's an opportunity for, for me to kind of take a, a break physically and mentally from potentially putting in harder efforts. Um, and it's also a, a chance for me to say, okay, well, maybe I was a little more focused on that, that before, but now I have the time Let's say, okay, well, I accomplished the, the, the goal that I had before <laughs> and now I can switch to a goal of, okay, I want to focus some time on my kids and doing stuff with them. So doing two mile bike rides. And I mean, so we just, we actually just started kind of doing some mountain bike rides. I know biz Biz and and Molly take their kids out all the time on bike rides too. Um, So I think that's really a a great way to do that. And the the other thing I'd say is, I mean, not to belittle it. I mean, a lot of my training over the past. So six years, my my daughter's turning seven, a lot lot of my training over the past seven years has incorporated them. So, I mean, one of the biggest invest best investments I had as, as, as a new parent was, a, and actually it was given to me, but I would, I realized it would be, it's totally worth It's to buy a nice backpack. And I was, I, I did um, probably half of my runs with my daughters for probably four years. Um, so two years for the first one. And then to the next two years for the next one, once, when, when the other one was getting too old. And I mean, you, you talk about adventure race training. I mean, what, what are we doing? We're carrying, 20 pound, 30 pound backpacks on our right. back. And mm-hmm. so, hey, hey, I've got a, a 20, 30 pound weight. And I mean, it, those were even, I mean, one, one, it's a good, it's good training. Um, and two, I mean, it's, it was like having a training partner out there, um, with you. That's your, your kid. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, <laughs> I, I love, that was great. One, one of the best experiences I've had is, is b- being able to do that. I mean, they even, I did, I did some row gains with them. Um, out at like long road gains i mean they didn't we didn't do anything super long with them i didn't do anything super long with them but going out and i mean they they loved it so it's a, it's a great mm-hmm. way to incorporate um something that you can do with them as well as um training for yourself or oh, the other thing so or, or biker i mean even when before they were kind of biking themselves we were doing bike rides and i put them in the trailer try i mean it's just like towing a teammate as you got 60 pounds coming behind you in the trailer and going and doing a 20, 30 mile bike ride. I mean, it's not, it might not be exactly what you had planned for training, but it's, it's a way to incorporate training and, and also have that, um, that, um, time with your family and your kids. I'm a, I'm a like big Luke's, fan of a... Luke
0: Skywalker and Yoda. down in Dagobah. <laughs> Exactly. Just, That's right. Just it's... training them, training the body and the mind at the same time, Brian.
1: Well, it's, it's, i am ai am a, I'm a, I'm a, it's very very Yoda-like. So here we go. We, we, it's, not, it's not a podcast. So we have a Star Wars reference. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will tell you that the uh, Will Gad, who is a, um, he's a, an adventurer and is a climber, he always talks about, regardless of how busy your life is, try to move every single day. And there are some days where you move more and some days where you move less. But as long as you try to keep yourself active and going, that's one way to stave off any sort of fitness loss. Um, did the two of you find a bit of a post-race uh, blase after winning nationals? Did you just did you struggle getting back
2: into the regular swing of things? I don't think so. I had, I had a, I, I a sixteen-hour drive back, so that was or fifteen hours, something like that. So that I, I struggled a lot of through that time. a little bit. Yeah, I, I struggled through that a little bit. But once I got back, it was kind of back to business as usual. I think. Got it. You biz?
0: Yeah, I did. I did not have any blahs. It, it was definitely one of those things where I jumped right back into work and family life as well, and so. I, I don't feel like I have time for blahs, but <laughs> yeah,
1: right, <exactly. laughs> um,
0: it, it definitely, you know, it it was like such an awesome deal. And I was really happy that, that it, you know, it, it worked out the way it did and it all came together. Um, and so I just felt really fortunate um, for that. And it definitely though makes me think like, okay, well, what am I doing next year? You know, what am I going to do this fall? So whenever I finish a race like that, I, you know, it's fun to read about it and and read about the results and what other people thought about the race and things like that. All the race reports that come out are so fun to read. You know, even from the mid-pack teams, I love reading them just to see what things they learned. When I come away from a race like that, it just wants me to, makes me want to race even more.
1: <laughs> it's true though, and there's, also the, there's the shared experience that goes along with that, that we're all in this together. And by talking about it, reading about it across the wide spectrum of racers, it really adds to your own experience because you compare their experience to your experience.
2: And and, yeah. and I think that this, one of the experiences that I gained from the racer from another team was actually motivating to me in, in the post-race time. And I, I, I did actually get a chance to listen to, I think a, a good bit of the, the podcast you did with Tim, and one of the questions you asked was, what, "What did did any team have an impact on you?" And and the team that I mean, again, we uh, probably I don't know. I guess I guess we saw a fair amount of teams, but one of the teams that I remembered was it was the father daughter team, and I think they were at psyched or get psyched, and we saw them in the middle of the night. And I was just like, that's awesome. They're racing. It's two girls and they're racing with their dad. And I mean, yeah. one, it was, I mean, it, 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 j- just the family aspect of it, but the fact that it even hit closer to home in the sense that I've got two girls and, and at some point I could do that with them um, was really motivating to me. And so, I mean, I think that that was even more of an impetus when I got home and said, Hey, let's go do some more stuff. And, and, and so that's, I think that's been motivating me for for what I've been focused on since the race. And that's a pretty cool thing about this sport is that we, we we aren't
1: very hierarchical in terms of who has worth and who does not have worth, right? It's good to be at the front of the race. It's good to do well. And we respect champions as we should, but we should speak with champions. But if you look hard enough in any adventure race, you're going to find those kinds of lessons across the entire spectrum of racer. From the person who punches every checkpoint, clears the course, comes in first, to the person, person who might only nail the mandatory minimums and then come into come in beat up and exhausted after so many hours. Somebody always has something to teach us on the race course, and I think that's a nice thing about adventure racing is that we don't just deify the top teams. And to your point, you saw inspiration with the mid pack team in the middle of the race. So that's really that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good point for you to bring up.
0: For sure, yeah, I I would totally concur with that. I mean, in a lot of respects, you know, they they talk about getting your money's worth, and and I feel like a lot of the mid pack teams are pushing it just as hard as we are. You know, I mean, we might be going faster than some of them, but, you know, there are so many, so many racers out there and they're all pushing their limits. And that's kind of like, I get a lot of, um, just, just, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You find it very gratifying. Yeah, exactly. I just find it very gratifying to be in like that environment where all these people come together and really are pushing their bodies, pushing their mental toughness limits. It's amazing for me to see. So it's just really inspirational.
1: I agree. I agree 1000%. Uh, we're coming a little bit towards the end of our time together. And I want to be respectful of your time. And I appreciate you, you joining the dark zone. I, I like to finish off just a little bit as we talk about it. I like to cover like the, the, the race food thing. we talked about nutrition. We have a lot of a good advice here for a new racer. Clearly, um, you both have done uh, hundreds of races, I'm going to say. Um, and that's and mm. that maybe not be quite
2: 100, 100 probably. But, I would say I'm probably <laughs> under 100. So.
1: But you've done what you've done. But to your point, Brian, you, you, you won nationals back in 2011 and you were racing for a long, long time and this, this doesn't have to be a nationals related question, but I always like to give our, our audience a sense of the scope of adventure racing and the different races that were done. And I like to ask our guests, what is the, the race that you, you remember the most you'd like to return back to what race did you do that just completely just you loved, and you just would, would love to recreate that experience in that place.
0: That's such an interesting question. I mean, you think about, uh, (laughs) recreating like the good times in certain races. That sounds pretty awesome, but that that same race could maybe have some not so good times. (laughs) Um, I think, what do you think? I think to me, you know, one of the races that I really think about in terms of my adventure racing career, um, you know, I mean, the, the nationals races that we did, I mean, even some of the ones that we got second place at or third place at, were very memorable and pretty awesome. Um, I raced, uh, primal quest in for the 2009, I think in South Dakota. And, you know, that was something for me that I think was a little bit of, a, a little bit of a, you know, a high point, the team that we brought together for Wadali was with, um, Jason and Andrea Nielsen and Scott Erlinson. And the four of us had, you know, at the time were just really into adventure racing and we trained so hard for it. And, you know, the race is pretty big and it drew a lot of international teams. And we ended up coming up in, in fifth place and passed a lot of teams on the last day of the race. Uh, you know, when they were kind of withering and and we were had had strategically kind of rested a little bit more, maybe than some others had. And for us to come away with a fifth place finish was pretty huge for us. And, you know the the magnitude of a race like that like primal quest you know it took us seven days or something like that to finish it um it was just such a such a huge um momentous event i think for all four of us and so i go back to that race a lot just in terms of how long it was and how challenging it was um it really I don't think I've ever done a race that long since then. You know, I've done a couple of other expedition races, but that one was by far the longest. Seven days is a long
1: time to be out there. That's a long, that's a long time.
0: Yeah.
2: Very nice. Brian, how about you? Um, so I, I think, I mean, something came to my head right away, but I think thinking about it more purpose or more thoughtfully, I mean, I think we get something different out of every race. And so, okay, well, what was I, I mean, I I think there's lots of different things that I got out of lots of different races. And so I can think back to mm-hmm. like my first multi-day race. I was like, man, this is, I mean, I'd done several one day races at that point, but I was like, I don't know what that, I mean, how is this going to, And it was like, I, I think I went from like 24 hours to like, four days. And I was like, okay, how am I going to, there's no way I'm going to handle this. And I mean, so learning kind of those learning experiences of, okay, well, this is what I'm going to get from this race. And this is what I'm gonna get from this race. Um, But I, I mean, I will, I think, at least the first thing that came to my mind was the, was when we had one back in 2011, and I think, just mm-hmm. I, it was a time for me where I kind of was slowly getting better, and and where I mean I, I was focused on what I was wanting to do, and I wanted to to do well, and and the team that we had kind of put together. Um, and we just had a really good race The the course was difficult. The team that it was a really close race. Um, I think we went into the, like it ended with an orienteering course. And so it was our team, team Wadali and team Techno at the time. And we went into the last like six hour ish, uh, uh, Rogaine orienteering section within like 20 minutes of each other. And we finished it within 20 minutes of each other. Wow. Um, yeah. and it was just wow. a really, it, it, I mean, it, it, so it was, it was a, I think it was a well put together race and things went really well for us. So I think from that point, it's a pretty memorable, that that was kind of one memory for me. And it, I mean, at the, at the time, that was what I was looking to get out of that race. I've been wanting to just to, to continue to, to find ways to improve, to work to it, both myself and kind of the team we were putting together and, and things kind of finally Fit together at that point but i mean like i said like i said i had points leading up to that that were okay well this is my my uh goal for this and this is my goal for this so i I mean i think um there are certain times that i was getting getting having key accomplishments at different times Mm -hmm. um they just might not be as as distinctive or might might not be um something that you, you quite look back to as this was a major piece, but it, it really was, I mean, ha- having that experience. And, um, I mean, I think no, t- no team kind of comes in and cut their, their first year, first or second year comes and does really well, um, whether they're fast or not. Um, it really takes time and experience to kind of learn how to, to deal with, with adversity, how to, what things you might encounter, how to, to work as a team. So we re- really have to kind of put all of that stuff together to, to have a full, a full plate of experience. And that's the most mm-hmm. common, uh,
1: advice when I, when I speak to people who are newer to the sport and I say it often during this podcast is that, that every one of us has had a steep learning curve along the way and nobody throws a perfect race and nobody is, is spot off the beginning and we grow in capacity over time and everybody, the, the adventure racers that end up enjoying the sport and succeeding are the adventure racers that realize that growth does not equal, um, failure. And then everybody has to find something better to, to, to grow into during the course of their career. And the people who don't want to grow are the people who just don't survive. They, they just can't. They can't put their ego to the side and realize that they have to get better at something. Okay. And, I, and I picked that up in both of your comments about your races is both of the races that you harkened back to were races that you grew into, that you build the skill set leading into the race. And it, it kind of clicked at the race at that time.
2: <clears throat> hmm. And, and, and to your point, I mean, we came, we came out of that race. You'd think, oh, well, this is a, we, we, we won. That must be, I mean, how could we, or or we might be happy with what we did, but I mean, coming out of the race, I think we identify, I mean, I, I kind of sent an email out and said, Hey, these are the things that I think where we maybe could have, could have improved or something that we maybe should think about, or could could have done differently. Um, so even, even coming in with, with the, the, the win at the national championship, I mean, there's going to be things that we need to go to improve and we're going to learn about, I mean, it's, I guess you could even say that it, that's almost par for the course, considering the fact that it was the first time we'd raced together as, as the, the three of us, right. but even, even so. So let me ask you the final question. Um,
1: Garrison has announced that the uh, Nationals next year will be out West. The time of the year has not been declared and credit to USARA that they have a backup plan because of the fires out West and all of that. Is there talk between the three of you to recreate this team dynamic to defend your championship for next year? Or will time tell if the three of you can get out there to race together?
2: I hope
0: so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 I sure hope so. I mean, you know, I, I think that would be certainly ideal mary's not here and who knows if she wants to race with us
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'll have her on next week so tell me the truth <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> she'll be like yeah, I mean, you know, know, those
1: guys are great here's the real story gatens right it yeah, exactly. out. <laughs> those they guys were jerks. anchors <laughs> i carried them the entire time
0: yeah
1: no totally. this is This has been, I I want to thank the two of you for for joining the Dark Zone. I want to be respectful of your time and your family time and little people at home. Um, So thank you very, very much for giving your time. Congratulations on your national championship. Um, It's great for the sport. It's great coming back into this after COVID and having such a wonderful experience for everybody. Um, So thank you for being here and have a
0: good evening. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate for the opportunity.
1: Okay, Dark Zone podcast listeners. This is the point in the pod where the show ends. But Team Modali just kept on talking about their experience, and I just had to keep it. So consider all this to be bonus content. Enjoy and keep on listening. I mean, you just, you crushed it, and it came across during the interview, how, how well you guys did with the navigation and with the nutrition and, you know, keeping together as a team and not getting rattled when when Quest came roaring down your throats. I heard
2: that was a, That was a really intense moment in the race for you. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. T- yeah. And I, th- I think I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it. I mean, again, I I'd, I'd been thinking about it from the sense of more, it kind of pushed us to go faster, but I mean, I think there's really kind of nailed it in the sense of, I mean, well, there was, that was also a low point. I mean, it was a low point turning into a high point and that's, that's the, I mean, it was kind of the inflection point of, a, of the race I think for us. And I mean, I don't, we didn't talk about it during the race, but there was a time after that where we, um, so we left on a mountain bike section and, um, there was we hit, we got like two controls, and then this, the third control we had to get there was there's was a pretty clearly two options of how to get there and it was it was i mean it was six and one half six and one half a dozen in the other, and it was really a toss up which way to go. We chose one way, and um quest chose the other way, and we we were probably we, we estimated we were like two to five minutes ahead of them at that point um and it, it could unless they were closing closing the gap. Um, which we didn't know, but, um, we went to the point and we went, we were looking for this point along the, it was just kind of off this trail, but it was a fairly linear trail going along a ridge. And there mm-hmm. were some turns on the trail that kind of led us to figure out where we should be, but there wasn't a lot of terrain to to tell us where we needed to get it. And we, we tried to measure it from the trail, but we kind of, I think we, we started our distance measurement a little too late. So Mary wasn't quite what wasn't exactly positive that we were in the right spot. She was the one measuring on mm-hmm. the bike. And, um, so we weren't exactly positive. We were in the right spot and we couldn't quite see the terrain that we were looking for. So we kind of kept going and then eventually quest comes by us the other direction and. I mean, we at that point we didn't know if we had gotten to the point yet or not. So I mean, tons of things. One that we're getting past potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they found the point already and they're go they're leaving already now. We have we still haven't found the point, or maybe they haven't found the point. We don't know. Um, and mm-hmm. so it turned we we ended we went like another 100, 200 meters and then did, and realized we had gone too far and yeah. pretty much where we had started looking was about right. So we went back and then found it. Um and In, incidentally, um, we, we realized, well, it hasn't been that long and quest isn't here. So chances are they went, it, it seems like they would have gone, they must've gone right by it too. Um, so our hope was our hope and and no knowledge was that they had gone by it and needed to turn back to get it. Cause otherwise we would be behind them. Um, right. And so we started, we, we got quickly went back to our bikes so that we, because I mean, when you drop your bikes, it's like, Oh, here's the point. Here's the cut. Stop here. <laughs> um, if you leave <laughs> your bikes there, they, they know where to stop on the trail. So we were like, quick, get on our bikes and get out of here. So that they don't know where the point is if they haven't found it yet. And then we start leaving, and and we go we go about 200 meters down the trail, and you figure, okay, well, if they passed it, they probably didn't pass it very far. So we go 200 meters down the trail, we still don't see them. 300 meters down the trail, still don't see them. 400, 500, 600, and we still don't see them. So now I'm wondering, man, I just I just got excited because I thought we maybe got are still in the lead, but now maybe they did find the point really fast. And they're way ahead of us again, <laughs> and um, so it was. It was a pretty up and. I mean, we had a, a pretty up and down moment after that point. And this is late in the race. The, I mean, you guys got to be. Beat,
1: you're pretty beaten up, and it's late. And Biz, your stomach was upside down, and you're tired, and it was just that would had to be. That had to be a pretty wild feeling. And you know, and we didn't talk a ton about it. And <laughs> and and I'll, maybe I'll cap, I'll bring this into the podcast before you made the line that says the reason why I think Biz, I think you said it or I apologize if you Brian, that said it, the reason why you wanted to race with your, your two teammates here is that they, they, they knew what it takes. They, they knows what it takes was a line that you used. And the idea that like of the mental strength that they showed during the course of the race. And obviously moments like that, the mental strength was incredible because you didn't fold.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, you can kind of throw in the towel and just kind of give up. I mean, you wouldn't really give up in that situation. Nobody really would ever give up, but you know, you can, you can start to have that defeatist attitude or, you know, you can see it as an opportunity to make a comeback too. even when you're down. You know, I I think that's, that's kind of like the the ticket is that even when you get past, even when you're down, you have to think of it as an opportunity to come back and you know, if anything because
2: as as we, nobody it's not new, anything can happen in adventure racing. Everybody knows it.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 could, they could blow a spoke on them. their bike could fall apart on them. They could yeah. Yeah. they could completely have a, a total meltdown when it comes to some door of navigation. Like a million things could happen. So you never never stop racing, right? That's the that's the big message. Right. Never right. it's never over until uh, Yogi Berra. It ain't over until it's over. But like coming across the finish line is when it's truly over. And until that point, you never quite know who's gonna be where.
2: Yeah. And, and to the yeah, same extent exactly. when you're in the lead. And I mean that it was a case Yeah, when you're in the lead, you are you you might be getting close to the finish line, but you really can't give up because you, anything can happen to you and you've gotta yeah. you've gotta you keep racing and saying, Yeah. So did I mean you, we, we got to the last the last um the bike let last bike leg and we um we had a pretty good feeling that we were going into that bike leg in the lead and it was only a, like a 20 minute, 30 minute ride to the finish. But I mean, doesn't mean that we were, I mean, we were, I think in better spirits than we had been at other times during the race, but we were still pushing it and saying, we need to get to the race and finish this off because it's not finished until it's finished.
1: Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, I didn't, I didn't watch the trackers. The the race nationals was the first two days of my school year. So there was no way I was, I didn't pay any attention to the race. (laughs) Um, Um, did
2: you, did you lead from, from get uh, it took us uh, so. Actually, right at the start, um, we chose to get on our bikes, and ironically or coincidentally, um, Quest and Rib yeah, chose to do the, really the, the same bike first as us. You, uh, the yeah. three of
1: you, the three of you did the race in the same order, I believe.
2: Uh, Rib did something different. I, they did okay. like yeah. the bike or the paddle or something different. Okay. Okay. Um, But I mean, we got on our bikes and I kind of started, I was trying to put my, my foot in my pedal and I couldn't get it on. And it turned out my cleat had fallen off the bottom or started was starting to fall off the bottom of my shoe and had lost a screw. Fortunately, Mary had a screw, but it took us about two minutes or whatever to to pull this. Yeah. Pull the bolt out and put it in put it in my shoe and then get going again. And then, I mean, again, it, it was, it was probably two minutes, maybe three. Um, but we were pushing like back 15. hard and get moving again
1: <laughs> on that leg. And we knew quest it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. how yeah,
0: the. Go ahead. Biz. I was, you know, I was just going to say, you know, uh, we were kind of texting back and forth after the race and, you know I sent I sent these guys a text and I, it was a bunch of emojis. Mary, Mary, uh I love to send Mary emoji texts because she sort of <laughs> anyway, it's a kind of a joke, but um it was basically a series of me like being shocked and then like getting sick and puking emojis, <laughs> and then and then, <laughs> and then like you know being happy again because like Mary pulls a cleat bolt out of her bike bag. You know, what a clutch moment. It's it's the, literally the first or second the first minute of the race and we're in the front parking lot of the hotel and Brian's cleat has come off because one of the bolts is gone and Mary pulls out a spare bolt out of you know like how many teams yeah. have people that carry a spare bolt i i'd, I'd still I, be there I, i've never done it i yeah. would still be you know um and I, so I will, we would have I will been from spending, now on i'll tell you that exactly <laughs> exactly
1: and it's amazing um, but too how, Mary, how mary's
0: so experienced that she does that she right. just has you know she probably, you know, if you needed, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some <laughs> anything, random right. equipment item, you know, like Brian carries a derailleur hanger, right? Right. And I generally don't, but maybe I should start because Mary pulled one out and if, you know, who knows how long it would have taken us to get a cleat bolt or do you try to do the rest of the race, like the entire race without a cleat bolt in? I mean, it's like basically for a race like this with all the technical mountain biking, it would have been. So challenging. I mean, what, I don't know what Brian and amazing
1: that, and, and that that's the moment in which the piece of gear fails.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm, it's just incredible stuff. that one minute into the race, that's the first thing that happened. Yeah. And I'm, we're I'm, just like. Well, <laughs> the, the problem is that, that's not a,
2: that doesn't attest good to me because I should have been the one that was checking my shoes and making sure right. that my cleat bolt was it, not loose. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> good job, right? So, you know, I didn't ask about sleep because it was only a 30-hour race. You guys went straight through, right? There's no need to talk about sleep during the podcast. You didn't need a nap, did you? No, 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 not at all. Right now you went wire to wire. You had a, right. There was no sleep. Yeah, you, you
0: got to, there, there's no way anybody wins a race like this no. and takes like a nap. No. Sleep strategy for Primal Quest, Biz. I think we kind of did the, you know, we skipped re- sleep the first night mm-hmm. and then we tried to get, you know, three hours of sleep every night after that. Um, But, you know, it's like sometimes you sleep and you're not like in a convenient location or you're like on a paddle and you're like, oh, if I stop to sleep, I'm going to I'm going to (laughs) die. Because, you know, you're on this paddle and it's 40 degrees and you're on this creek Mm -hmm. and you're completely wet Mm -hmm. and, you know, if you stop, you could die.
1: Yeah, we we had that. And so, oh, my God, Scotland, day five. We couldn't stay awake in the boats. We just couldn't. Oh, my God. We were so tired.
0: Yeah. And so was it, was it cold though? I mean, did, what did mm-hmm. you do?
1: We just, yeah, so. well, yeah, we just, what we did Well, we were on, we were on locks, right? We were, so we were in open water and uh, okay. it wasn't, it wasn't crazy North sea open. That was a few days early in the race, but we were on just basically these long lakes and it was, it was a yeah. nighttime paddle and it was just yeah. that rhythmic <laughs> at one point. Totally. Uh, we, we had tied the boats together and, um, and it was Sherry then Jim, then, me than Pete or Pete than me. And at one point, Sherry looks back at it. Three of us are asleep. Like we just couldn't, <laughs> we physically couldn't you do the whole, like I'll paddle with my eyes shut. Right. You'll yeah. do that. And then you'll wake like, up. All of a sudden you realize you're paddling towards a wall. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it, that was, yeah. that was exhaustion. Like I've never known. It was absolutely, yeah. it was off the charts. Um, but, 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 but you left though, because you get off the water, you get on your bikes and you also, sudden you ride your bike for eight more hours and you're fine. It's weird. It's funny it how that
0: goes.
1: Yeah. yeah. But then you know, paddling is just torture. Oh my God. For sleep.
0: It is. Yeah. When you're so tired, it's like game over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just. I, I
0: don't know how the pro teams do it. You know, that it's totally one thing that I, I think about whenever I watch these multi-day races, hmm. I, I just don't understand, you know, I, I feel like, Oh, I'm a good adventure racer, but then it's like you watch these pro teams, right. you know, at, at Primal Quest or or Eco Challenge or whatever. And I just, I have no idea how they're staying awake on a paddle day four, they've had four hours of sleep or whatever. Right. And I'm like, how do you, how do you even do that? I don't even get it.